0: I believe in a world where talents and purpose intersect to create careers we love. Each of us has a Venn diagram depicting what we're good at on one side and what we love to do on the other. Finding the place of
1: overlap and aligning our lives to that sweet spot is the key to fully living. Welcome to the Becoming Congruent podcast, where we explore the profound power of our unique human experience through our guests' stories and lessons. We are your hosts, Melanie Hicks and Rachel Jones and we are excited to take this journey with you. Let's get started. Welcome back. This is our final episode of Becoming Congruent for the year 2020. Thank you so much for listening across the year, and we are so excited to share this final episode with you. Amanda Harness is the founder of Spark and is a business growth accelerator and fractional COO. She focuses on uncovering and resolving operational inefficiencies, or people performance breakdowns, in order to help increase the speed of execution towards business goals. Please join us in welcoming Amanda.
0: All right, well, we are so excited to have you here. Um, This is a Mel-centric. Rachel, unfortunately, uh, wasn't able to join us. She has no power this morning. So, oh, nice. uh, so this is a, uh, Mel only podcast, but tell us, um, something about you that we didn't learn, um, from the, from your bio kick us off.
2: Sure. Yeah. So gosh, so something that's, how am I interesting? Um, well, I'm from California originally. I now live in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm a beach baby. And so I do definitely miss the water. Um, but I spent this whole last weekend in Breckenridge skiing, so I can't complain <laughs> about nice. where I live. Um, and, you know, I think I, I moved here for a job opportunity um, in a former life. I was in healthcare. Uh, I did that for 10 years. I was an occupational therapist and I moved to Colorado to work at Craig Hospital with Ebola spinal cord injuries. Um, but that kind of led me into into what I do now. Uh, so for 10 years I was a therapist, but eight of that, uh, I also was in different positions of leadership and management focused on uh, operational efficiency for either department-specific strategies or facility-wide improvements. Um, so I, I did that for for eight years. So I have 10 years of experience in operations thus far, and it just started in the healthcare world while I was practicing. Um, and oh gosh, I made the transition um, during COVID um, to, to start my own business. I was uh, inspired by a really good friend of mine, Karen Savory. She owns her own business, and I just really admired her for, for taking the leap and doing something she was extremely passionate about, because it is kind of scary to do. And you know, through uh, a talk on her porch and a bottle of wine, I decided I was doing it too. And so now I, I'm an operations strategist for small businesses, and I absolutely love it. It's definitely what i love and what i was meant to do it's my passion i love it i love that
0: um uh, so before we dive into the actual business and and helping everyone understand um, the intricacies of an operational strategist what you know what are some of the things the kind of emotions and thoughts that you had sitting on that front porch making that decision because i think so many of us especially women spend a lot of time and years kind of mulling over this idea mm-hmm. and this dream and and don't ever push the the lever to to take the leap, right? Or yeah. or do so and you know, but but much longer, I think, than than others. Um, so tell us some of the kind of thoughts that went through your head and how you how you made that internal pro con list.
2: Yeah, gosh, that's that's a great question. I've never been asked that. This oh, I'm gonna this is a good prompt. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think it was, and this I I believe for a lot of people that I've spoken with, um, this the whole situation we've been in with the pandemic really had everyone pause and it sort of forced us to reflect on what does and does not make us feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that we were all in a a lot of a rhythm in our lives. And um, I can't, you know, obviously I'm not speaking for everybody, um, but we were all in a lot of a rhythm, whether that was good or bad, that's that's neither here nor there, but uh, the pandemic forced us to pause and just reassess the rhythm. And for some people, like myself, I realized that I knew I had been a little unfulfilled for quite some time, um, but I didn't know what to do about it. And that doesn't mean to say that uh, my years as a therapist weren't great. They were absolutely amazing. Uh, I worked for Craig Hospital, which, you know, if I ever needed it or had someone knowing, I, I would that I knew that needed it, I would absolutely send them there. Like, my, my experiences in my past career were amazing. Uh, but there was just something not quite right. And it really was just finding my zone of genius, you know, knowing exactly what I was, I was good at being a therapist, I think I'm excellent at being an operations strategist. And then it's, it's sort of my brain kind of the way my brain works uh, I'm good at both. Like, it's just sort of the way that my mind works. It's, I take a problem, I break it down, I figure out what's really causing it, and I do something big about it. I create a strategy. That's the same as a therapist. But um, it just, in sitting on that porch, I was realizing that I had thought about doing this for a long time, like you said. <laughs> um, I mold it over, mold it over, and I just, I was limiting myself. I thought I it it couldn't actually happen for X, Y, Z, 25 reasons, the whole alphabet, that I just it wasn't gonna work, and I just made a decision. Honestly, it sounds so simple, but I really did just choose to do whatever I needed to do to make it happen. And so, um, I met the right. I, I put myself in a position to meet people that were very supportive. Um, I'm supported by a lot of other female entrepreneurs that I work in the same co-working space with. Um, they're dear friends of mine as well. Uh, my fiance is extremely supportive when I. Told him that I had finally decided to to go for it. He said, about time, babe. You know, it was so great. Yeah. Um, he actually likes to think that it was his idea. He's like, you know, I'm the one that gave you the idea. So like, okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll yeah, like, we'll you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I'll give you a, I'll give it to you. Um and so I just, I just made a choice. I just said, you know, I'm unhappy. I I refuse to be one of those people that constantly complains about what they're unhappy about, but doesn't do something about it. And so I did something about it. Um, I honestly think that it was just, I was a mixture of sad. I was a mixture of excited and scared and frustrated. And I didn't want that anymore. So I just did something.
0: (laughs) I love it. You know, so many of us, uh, men and women, but particularly women, I think, get exactly to that point where our choices are make a change or keep living unhappily. And those of us who are just, you know, Steadfast about not living uh, the same life, you know, seventy five years in a row, right? Want to to push forward, and I think it's it's both kind of uh, persistence and bravery, all wrapped into to one, right? So,
2: well, and I think if it's the right thing, too, you know, yeah, it was absolutely scary, and I've had my challenges, and I will continue to have them. I've also been su- had my successes, but uh, when it's something that just feels right. You know, I can see myself doing this for seventy-five more years in a row. You know, right. it's just because it's the right thing. So right,
0: exactly, yeah, perfect. Well, tell us uh, more about the business itself. Tell us what what that what that means. What does um, operational strategy look like in a in a real way?
2: Yeah. So I love working with small and medium businesses, um, specifically because I think that the size of business I work with is sort of in this weird middle zone, right? You're a startup, people are excited, people are invested and things are just moving at a a fairly quick pace often. And then when you're really, really large, you're just continuing to grow. You've got a lot of um, time and, well, not a lot. You've got more time, money and people invested in the business that allows you to be a little more risky. Um, You know, you've got to a place where you've got a ton of support Uh, And when you're in the middle there, you're sort of in this gray area of, I need more support, but when do I do it? And how do I do it? And what kind of support do I need? And so I love to work with these medium businesses where for me, uh, I specifically work with service-based businesses only, not necessarily product and manufacturing. Mm -hmm. That really comes to uh, still, still, I think, the passion of just giving back, right? Being in healthcare, care, service-based business exists to help someone with something, right? right. Uh, so service-based businesses, they're over that $1 million hump. And that is so hard to get past that I know that they're dedicated and passionate, and they really want to push forward to the next revenue milestone, right? Is it three, five, ten? Um and I specifically also like to work with businesses that have teams. So at least 10 people or more, you know, it could be 50 or hundred, but uh, at least teams of 10, because that tells me that the business is invested in making their business work through the power of the human being. <laughs> and right. so, and that is a huge passion of mine. So when I work with a business um, of that kind of meets those, that area, that's sort of my niche area that. I'm really focusing on three key areas. I start off by looking at their overall strategy. Uh, A lot of businesses are owned by visionaries that are great at thinking what they want. Um, But sometimes they have difficulty getting past what and into how, who's going to help them, when are things needed by, you know, in what order do I prioritize everything? And so I come in as that integrator to really look at the strategy if they already have one and maybe restructure a little, or help them create the overall strategy of what are your long-term goals three, five years from now, and then how do we break that down into a really successful, actionable strategy um, so that I can help you increase the speed of your acceleration, or increase the speed of your execution getting there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, once we have that down, I take a look at the two other primary areas in operations, which is the process side. What are you doing every single day? How are you doing it and and where can we optimize and be more efficient? So I try to look at any of the challenges they're having, any of their successes, try to find opportunities to be more efficient, reduce any bottlenecks or silos, any of those gaps and cracks that just happen when you grow at the pace they may have grown. Um, Or just in general, once you get to that size, there's definitely time that's needed to take a pause and look back at how you're operating every day Mm -hmm. and honoring the fact that everything you do affects the customer experience. So how can we really take a look at making things more streamlined and then really excellent for that customer so we bring in more people and retain a lot of people. And then the third area that I'm extremely passionate about, which I know aligns really well with you, so we can nerd out a bit about it here, <laughs> is the people side of business. So I can't express enough how important I feel that the bringing the human aspect back into business really accelerates your growth. And I, I like to bring that education and that awareness into the owner's hands. Um, and, if, and if it's something they're already aware of, just how do we maybe enhance their skills and their leadership and um, even everyone underneath them, all their leadership team under them, how do we really make sure that we're figuring out rather than, um, rather than how much we can get out of people to get to our goals, how can we inspire and engage them and get them invested in, want, in wanting to give us more? Um, it goes back to that fulfillment, right? I think that's become so important to so many people that how can we get people invested in long-term vision and engaged in the daily work, but also engaged in getting to that long-term vision so that everyone works together. Um, so I take a look at the people and performance side of business, um, are people in the right seat? Do we need to restructure who's in there? Do we need to hire? Um, sometimes we do need to let a few people go. Um, And and so just kind of looking at who's in there, who's the best fit, uh, really putting people in positions that are specifically about not just what a job description might be, but what's the outcome that position is supposed to help get us to. Uh, So really looking at the strategy behind that. And then with the performance aspect, um, there are so many statistics I could toss at you right now about how. Uh, getting people invested and engaged in their daily work enhances, um, you know, really getting to the business goals. And honestly, keeping employees long-term um, is huge for achieving vision. And so I like to just make sure that we respect the fact that people are leasing part of their lives to us every single day and that we're we're honoring that and, and, and letting them know we see their value. Um, that was really long-winded. I hope everyone... Hung in there for that. <laughs> I'm obviously like I could just talk about it all day, so that might have been a little long. So my apologies, no, okay. but thank you for listening. <laughs> you
0: know, I think to your point though, the the piece of this that that is so um, aligned with what In Pursuit does, right, is the is this idea that the organizations are innately human, and we we really believe that deep down that an organization has kind of you know emotions, which we call organizational culture, right. And that it's built of all these different pieces um, that are humans. And when, if you really want to get to a certain place, a pinnacle, whether that is a revenue goal or an impact goal or Mm -hmm. a uh, performance goal or whatever it is, you have to understand how all of the different pieces within work. And I love the idea that kind of uh, throwback to to Jim Collins and Good to Great, right? Of like, who's on the bus? Where do they need to be? Are they in the right seat? And one mm-hmm. of the things that we find um happens a lot, and we work with both small businesses and nonprofits and education institutions, but particularly with nonprofits, sometimes they don't engage their people in a real spherical way. So they're kind of they hire someone or they have someone on their board and they knew them for this particular box, right? Right. And they they kind of they're in that box and even if they have a whole lot of other talents or, or passions or connections, even if it's a board member or something like that, if they um, don't take the time to really get to know that person outside of the confines of what they were either hired for or asked to be on the board for, they end up missing out on yes. potential opportunities. So there's this level of how do you in, engage people, yes, in the role that they were hired to do or asked to do, but also get to know them in a way that, hey, when something comes up and it's a skill set that's needed, you're like, oh, you know what? Jill has that skill set. Mm-hmm. Why don't we put her on a committee to help this? Or why don't we see if we can, you know, or maybe we're making a new position and, and you know, she would we should recommend if she's it or see if she's interested in it. You know, like those kind right. of, of molding of an organization is to me how you really make the best of of the people that you have around you, whether, again, like we work with a lot of boards um, because of nonprofits, but whether that is, you know, kind of hired employees or board members.
2: Yeah. I, I talk a lot about collective intelligence, which I think is what you're touching on there. And, yeah. and that does go back to their culture, right? The emotion side of the business that you do have to foster a culture that invites people to share more about themselves. So uh, it, it it does trickle down from leadership being, maybe um, accessible and um, vulnerable is not really the right word I'm looking for. Um, Authentic maybe is what I'm looking for Mm -hmm. where they just show that they're not just a boss, right? And and that touches on the culture you mentioned, the collective intelligence, but also I said something about hiring for an outcome versus a position, because that can really, just as you're saying, that can really narrow a person's potential if they're just defined by this piece of paper with bullet points that says this is the job you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we need people to execute. So we want them to do the things on that list, but we also want them to expand because that's not a very humanistic way to look at it. So, right. you know, how can we really think about the outcomes we're after and invite people to be a part of that? And so I think that's, that's really what you're touching on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think as long as the the leadership shows that they accept the opinions and voices of others there are still the decision makers they can still say yes or no to whatever the rest of the team says but if they're open to listening to it i think that invites people to show where their skill sets expand beyond their job right. description
0: right and you know you and the word authentic is is really important to me and i think it potentially is getting to to be a, a buzzword that's that's used maybe Inauthentic, a little much yeah yeah Um, uh however the the truth is you know i've been in a situation where i was in theory told yes if you have an idea i i'm welcome i'm open to it please give it to me whatever but i never saw an example in multiple years working for this particular organization a time when anyone's idea was ever actually put into place so there Mm. starts to be a jadedness about you know even if it's if it you know i'm using air bunnies here because but this is audio so you can't see that yeah you know even if people say yeah yeah we we take other people's ideas or we you know we welcome innovations or ideas if if they aren't actually being tried at least some of them Mm -hmm. um and there's not examples of a really authentic desire to have those people will eventually stop right i mean we're an incentive-based uh human culture and Mm -hmm. we, we do what we're incentivized to do so when we're inspired and incentivized we we continue that and when we're not it it falls off, right? You only there's only so much motivation that doesn't have uh, any positive response, you know, yeah. response mechanism back.
2: And I've known a few businesses that they do that, right? They say, "I'm really open to to hearing what you have to say." And then I've seen it go a little past that, where they someone brings up an idea and management says, "That's a really great idea, run with it." Yes. And I think we I think that's wonderful for some businesses and some people, mm-hmm. but some people need direction even when they they have the idea so I think we yes. have to think we have to really pause and like you said getting to know someone we also have to get to know how people work not just who they are outside of their position but also everyone just works a little bit different right we understand there's different learners there's visual learners and auditory learners and kinesthetic incentive learners there's also also different kinds of workers so yes. just because someone had a really good idea If we just say, okay, run with it, it may not go anywhere because they need a different kind of support where they give a really good idea and then they want people to rally around that and help them figure out, well, then what do I do with it? And how do I make it become, actually have the result that I imagine it could. So when people have those kinds of ideas, I think that management does need to pause and listen. Um, If there's someone that can run with it, tell them to run with it, but it's almost a brush off if someone says, yeah, cool, go try that. but if if someone does have a genuinely good idea, let's pause and think about it for a second. Collective intelligence, brainstorm about it. And mm-hmm. and because it's so limiting if an owner doesn't listen to people, like when you would bring up ideas, they're probably limiting themselves um, and not meeting their potential. So that's a bummer. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and to your point, I also a different organization, right? I was tasked with um, a particular project, which was actually important to the organization but not important to our ceo my boss and Mm. so in the end he would say go run with it and that's all great and fine but it almost was like i don't really i don't really care what happens to it so luckily it was something i was super passionate about and really excited about so just a thumbs up was enough for me to say, you know what, um, I'm going to do it because I really love it. And, and it became a really integral part of both that organization and my future career, actually, by the skills that of just kind of taking that over and running with it. Uh, but I, I know that the person who took the role after me, when I left that organization, they took it over without the, the constant kind of, um, propping up, it almost died under someone yeah. else because they just, they were like, well, you know, our boss doesn't care about that. So right, why why bother? That's and, a funny thing.
2: Yeah. yeah, go. Ahead. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no,
0: go ahead.
2: That's a funny to hear. You know, it's almost like, and this is this is only a reflection on him, not on you. I, good for you for having enough passion to to take that off uh, off the ground. But it's almost like he was thinking, well, this isn't important to me. Uh, it, so it's it, almost implying it's a waste of time, mm-hmm. and therefore encouraging one of his team members to waste their time. <gasps> Right, which is it's which so is, crazy. That's it's crazy. Totally crazy. Time right? is yeah. an asset, right? Time, people, yeah. and money are your three key assets. And to almost encourage one of your team members to to waste their time, at least in, from his perspective, is right. silly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and especially um, you know where there were there were other stakeholders involved and other stakeholders that benefited. So there was an overall benefit. And I think that that was recognized like later, right? The, okay, like yeah. the impact of it, but not at the time. And so mm-hmm. I can understand why it sort of died afterwards because you have to keep, I mean, you have to get, you have to nurture programs, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they can definitely die on the vine if uh, if they're not nurtured. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to someone who is maybe in an organization and facing some of these challenges, both maybe to the management that you might be working with, but how what do we say to employees about what are the strategies if they if their manager has not or their you know the the company owner has not hired you to help them what yeah. are some strategies for employees as they um, battle this this yeah. kind of situation that
2: that is pretty tough a lot of the work i do when i am engaged with the client is directly with leadership and management so that the benefits trickle down because it's really hard for things to go up the chain um, so I do a lot of leadership development, um, working on skills there. So it's hard to say what an employee should do specifically uh, because if, if they haven't been listened to before, then coming into a room with their leader with something that feels a little confrontational may not work out if that leader has a history of not being open to listening. Um, really what I would say is if you're an individual who is super passionate about something like you clearly were with that project, mm-hmm. um, then do what you need to, to to take it off the ground because like you're saying, later the investment was recognized. And so we'd like to hope that maybe people just need that extra boost to really see the value. So run with it if you're that passionate about it and they're willing to give you the resources. If there's some cultural toxicity, um, that's top-down stuff that we really have to get someone in there working on the the leadership team um and I would never encourage someone to make a hasty decision but there are there are the right there is the right business for the right person and so if that person feels like they need to work in a space where they don't have to fight for their voice to be heard mm-hmm. or they want some some people are okay with just working in a space that um, they come in, they action upon their tasks, they're you know praised for that, and that's it. Some people will love that. So it just also takes a little bit of self reflection that you may not change the situation, and so pausing and deciding if that situation is right for you, or if you need to find a different situation that just matches you in particular. Um, so never make a hasty decision there, but you know sometimes they can't make the change. Sometimes they can. So voice, voice, if you can do the thing, if you can, or maybe make a change if you need to, um, or call, have them call me, like just start an email, (laughs) force (laughs) them to connect with me. I'll come in, try and work on it for you.
0: (laughs) Love it. Love it so much.
2: I actually have had, um, I had a friend who, uh, she connected me with a, a girlfriend of hers who is an employee for a business that did have some, some cultural toxicity. Uh, and she and I had a phone call and I kind of walked her through a suggested situation of how she might connect me with the owner. Um, you know, I, don't, I never want anyone to have any kind of repercussions if they're worried about something like that at work. And so it was a little bit of a tenuous situation, but she did make a three-way connection with me and the owner um and you know we didn't end up doing a full project together but it worked out in just making a connection and letting them know that maybe there's some things to reflect on and maybe they'll maybe they will be a client of mine later we'll see but I think that was really brave of that person and it may and in the end make some changes for them it could be good right
0: I I love that I love the idea of kind of walking through and brainstorming and and building bravery, right? Uh, yeah. It's like a muscle. Everything that we do is uh, not dissimilar to building a muscle, right? The more times we do it, the more comfortable we are, the more we flesh it out. But uh, at the at the risk, uh, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, of overanalyzing. So careful balance on activation yeah. versus
2: practice. Well, it's, just, right? it's how you say something, right? Because there's, there's 10 ways to say the same thing. And so, you know, I kind of, I have um, professional training communication skills and and, um, leadership styles. And so I kind of asked certain questions to get a feel for how this individual may approach the situation and Gaberson suggested word usage, um, because the idea is to really present an idea versus make it feel like an accusation or a threat or something. So um, that you definitely I'm, I'm very careful about the words I choose when working with clients as well as mm-hmm. when helping them maybe work with their team and and that sort of thing so that's that's kind of what we did when I walked through it it's just more word choice I think <laughs> or mm-hmm. tech sort of uh, method you know of approach so
0: sure absolutely yeah so outside of of your business um, what do you like to do uh, for fun, for stress relief, for, you know, we all know the entrepreneurial journey can be a roller coaster um, mm-hmm. and we all have individual ways of decompressing and also kind of handling that, that ambiguity, that uncertainty. I call it, you know, VUCA basically. Um, what, uh, what are, what are yours? What are your favorite yeah. ways to,
2: to do Good that? Good question. I think I do a few things in my business to make it so that what I do outside for stress relief is more successful So as an operations geek, you know, I have time blocks on my calendar and I set myself up for the next week ahead of time. So I know what my schedule looks like. And uh, I've made promises to me and my fiance that after 6 p.m., um, if I'm looking at my phone, it's not a work email or LinkedIn or something work-related, you know? So I just, I've sort of systematized my own life in a way that makes it so that I can feel prepared Um, and you know, of course I, I am a solopreneur at this point and I can spend 25 hours looking at my email and working and doing things. Um, but that in the end would burn me out. And so I just do things. I have set myself up in the day-to-day of my business so that when I am on my own, um, I do get actual stress relief from things like sitting down and maybe watching a movie and being a present and not daydreaming while it's on. Um, I like to read. And so I start my day with um, some reading for business and I end my day with some uh, nerdy, you know, gosh, I'm super exposing myself here, but like a romance vampire novel of some kind. That's super, you know, like, what? I know it's not real. And that's the perfect thing. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, try to get outside even during the day. um, When I have a 10 minute break, I'll go for a quick little walk around the block. Um, Even in the winter, just wear, wear the thick coat. I do a lot of breathing exercises. Um, And honestly, I am really dedicated to trying to eat well and exercise. Um, I go to a a gym called um, Compass Health, um, Compass Fitness, sorry. And uh, it's, Fantastic if anyone wants to go. I'm totally promoting them right now because they're amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and they just work you really hard and you just spend an hour kind of like kicking your own butt, but then you just feel so charged for the day. So I just, I honestly try to remember that I am the health of my business. Um, and so, how can I pause and take care of myself, not just physically, but also give myself a true break in my brain, uh, which is so much easier said than done. But I, it's at least on my mind, right? I'm not always successful but I know I should be doing it. And I try to remind myself <laughs> to take a break at 6 PM to do the right. breathing. Um, so it's my, and my fiance is helpful as well. Um, I do get him to help me. Sometimes if he sees me daydreaming, he'll ask me if I'm being present or what was I daydreaming about? And so if I was thinking about work, he pulls me back out of it when I'm not supposed to be thinking about work. And um, so, yeah. It's really
0: great. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that too. Boundaries are a huge, mm-hmm.
2: a huge thing,
0: right? And I, you know, I was, when I left my corporate job, my number one thing was setting up very strict boundaries because there, there were absolutely no boundaries with that organization. And so I am like, I'm doing this on my own part of doing, part of this entrepreneurial journey is going to be around healthy boundaries and the work-life balance that's not really a thing, but work work life compromise, right?
2: Work life but, integration. Probably. Yeah, integration
0: exactly. <laughs> Great word. Um, and one of the things that happened over time, as the travel portion of my work picked up, um, the 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 boundaries kept getting stretched. Right, if I knew mm-hmm. I have to travel all the next day, I started to work. You know into seven and eight and nine and then it's bedtime and i'm still working and and i found myself in that and i had to kind of draw that back out and uh my husband was not as gentle about the about bringing me back out from that you know uh but i you know you really it's easy to slip into when you when you were on you know i i feel like entrepreneurship at times can be feast or famine right so everything Mm -hmm. seems to happen all at once and then there's this weird lull period where you uh, can let all of the voices of, you know, insecurity and doubt, if you let them, or you can yeah. understand that that's just the natural up and flow of of business.
2: Like, but, do I appreciate this downtime or do I panic? <laughs>
0: right. Yes, exactly. Do I, am I going to feel guilty about appreciating this downtime yeah. uh, or should, because I should be doing more business development? I should be hustling,
2: whatever. right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, you have to balance a little uh, monkey mind, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, I think that the Setting those boundaries is so powerful, and it really is powerful for your mental health. And we can't be our best selves if we don't take care of ourselves, right? We yeah. can't be our best selves to our clients, to our family, to our friends, to you know whoever is around us. Um, and you know, I have one of the things that um, I struggle with, and maybe you have uh, this or some advice on this, uh, is letting the day-to-day small, easy, low-hanging fruit. Get in the way of the larger, a little bit more challenging projects that I really do mm-hmm. passionately want to get to. So I have some initiatives in the business that are pretty large and are gonna take a, a pretty enormous effort. But I know that once they once we get through them, they're gonna be egregiously um beneficial for our business. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure, you personally, that you are not just tackling The fires of the day and that you're leaving that time is it just through calendar and how do you keep yourself on your calendar in that way
2: yeah that's a great one that's a lot of this this um prioritizing right because if everything's important nothing is right we hear that yes um and so it's i do work on that um but it also it does carry over to your to your previous question of how do i de-stress because when you ask that question my first response was what do i do in my business um to make it so that my de-stress habits actually work because it's it's unrealistic for us to think that um, our work isn't going to creep into our personal lives, especially as entrepreneurs. It's just, that is, just accept that. It's going to happen. Don't punish yourself for it. And so just set yourself up in a way to where that work-life integration is instead of having this or that, it's this and that. I can have a successful business and downtime. And so doing things like time blocking, uh, is really big uh, for me. I have a, a almost a competitively disciplined mind where if I have a time if, if I have a time block for something and it says do this, I will do that because it's like I'm I don't know not, I'm breaking a rule if I don't. And so on my calendar, I have certain time blocks that are recurring every week, and then I have one on Monday from 8:30 to 9:30. It comes up every week, and it's my weekly plan block. And I sit down for that hour and there's a few things I do. And one of them is to look at all the white space on my calendar because it's all you know, color-coded and all that jazz. And I pop in different things I need to do. So say, for example, I have a couple of clients and there's different pieces of client work I have to do that week. Well, I'll make time blocks. And in that time block, I'll specifically put exactly what I'm doing for that client in that hour. Um, so that when that time block pops up, I don't have to think about well, what should I be doing for them right now? And how do I prioritize that? Because I already spent the time laying the week out and telling myself exactly what to do and exactly what time block. And for me, when it's initiatives for my business, uh, I did have a habit of if I had an hour here and an hour there, and I would prioritize other client business and move my time blocks. And then suddenly it's Thursday or Friday and there's nowhere else to move them to. (laughs) Uh, And so I work better with a big chunk of time. So a lot of my Fridays are only my business work. I wear a CEO hat and I do my stuff because it's just better for me to have a big chunk of time than a couple little ones. But other people like a couple little ones. So you kind of have to just play with it. Um, One last thing I'll say is for some people, if they feel like they have a long to do list um, that can just feel overwhelming. And so that, that can be what keeps them sweeping things off because it's just too much to think about. So if you just pick one small piece, because any big action that you have has like 10 smaller actions that have to happen, right? So think of one small action that will have the biggest impact in moving forward and just set a timer for 30 minutes and just do as much as you can in that 30 minutes. Some people really struggle with, well, I need four hours because I, I have to do it from start to finish. And I get that, but if you can try and break that, that's just in your head, that's not true right. usually. So if you can just set a timer for 30 minutes and whatever you get done in that 30 is what you get done and you'll pick it up later, Mm -hmm. um, that can help with a lot of people too. So that you're at least moving the lever forward a little bit, even if you're not finished, but it's something better than nothing.
0: Absolutely. Love that. Well, as we start to wrap up, um, tell us how people can get in touch with
2: you. Oh yeah. Uh, Let's see. So I have a website. Uh, My business is Kinetic Sparks. So, the site is kinetic-spark.com. Uh, I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me just under my name, Amanda Harness, uh, capital H A R, capital N E S S. It is actually capital N. Um, it's like Loch Ness in Scottish. Oh. Um, and uh, those are probably the best places to get a hold of me. My email is amanda at kinetic-spark.com. Um, but my website does have a contact me form if you, if you want to just head in there. Um, But I try to be as responsive as possible in email and LinkedIn uh, within 24 hours. If you do send me a message or reach out on either of those things, those are the quickest ways to get a hold of me. Um, There's also a lot of resources uh, on my website that are uh, videos, blogs, downloads, and those all do also go on my LinkedIn. So even if you just want more information, you can just follow me on LinkedIn and you'll see stuff come up every week that's hopefully helpful.
0: Awesome. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing uh, the both the entrepreneurial journey and how uh, organizations can be better with your help. So we really, yeah. really love having you. Well, Thank thanks you so for
2: having me, Melanie. I appreciated the conversation.
0: Yeah. This has been another episode of the Becoming Congruent podcast, a production of In Pursuit Research outcomes-driven, impact-focused. What are you in pursuit of?